Many of you have been on the walk, and uh, God continues to work through those things. I'm going to tell you something this morning, and I wanted the microphone on before I made this confession, something that I think only one person in here knows about me. Underneath this beard, I have dimples, believe it or not. Alan, could you show the proof of my dimples? There they are. So, yeah, that's yours truly back in the day. Uh, This was in my hippie days uh, back in the late 60s, and uh, that's that's my version of hippiedom. No, I'm actually making up for that (laughs) now. (laughs) So uh, when I was a kid, my dad used to enjoy having our youth group from our church over to our house for devotionals and stuff, and uh, usually we'd end up in the field behind our house playing touch football or something, and there was one time, this was when I was a little older than that, put up the next picture there, Alan, maybe about this uh, or so, Um, there was a time when we were playing football, and I was playing football with the teenagers, okay, now these guys weren't little, and we were all in the field, we were playing, I don't know if you've ever done this, but uh, five Mississippi rush, where you have to count one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And when you get to five Mississippi, then you can rush in and kill whoever has the ball. Well, uh, my dad used that to our advantage. He, he came up with some trick plays that, uh, like one, when the ball was hiked, we all ran back into a huddle. And we all put our hands under our shirts and came out running towards the end zone but they couldn't see which one had the ball, so they just had to go up and try to... Te- and it sounds good on paper. It didn't really work. Uh, we didn't get very far. But there was one that we actually scored a touchdown on. All right? In this one, uh, I had been completely ignored through the whole game, and my dad noticed that. And so he... I don't know if you call it a Statue of Liberty or what, but he pretended like he gave it to one of the guys on offense who went to the back like he was going to pass. And everybody was counting the Mississippis while they were waiting to rush. And their eyes were on him because they thought he had the ball. When my dad just kind of starts heading down toward the end zone and it's clear he doesn't have the ball. What they couldn't see was little David behind Big Dave uh, holding on to his belt and tucking the ball into my chest. They didn't see me, so we made it all the way to the end zone and scored a touchdown. Now... If in that huddle my dad had said, you know, David, you haven't gotten to hold the ball this whole game, so when we snap the ball this time, I'm going to hand it to you and you just run for everything you got toward the end zone. I would have been killed. Those teenagers were huge, and a lot of them didn't hold back. Sometimes I think of that play when I consider the times that we're living in today, and I consider those giant teenagers could have hurt me if they really wanted to. Some of the issues that are out there, there's so many of them now. It's like walking through a minefield, and some of those issues can really hurt if they blow up in your face. How do we do that? How do we get through this minefield of all these issues that are going on? Well, if you're like me, sometimes you make the mistake 
of following one of those rabbit trail discussions on Facebook where the issue is being discussed and the, the verbiage back and forth gets meaner and nastier and vitriolic, and that's a good word, vitriolic. It, it just, I mean, it's filled with acid and, and just, and then you realize, oh my goodness, those are Christians who are saying those things. That, those are Christians talking to Christians like they're demons. Where did we get this? How did we get to this place? We shake our heads. We, we just wish Jesus would log into Facebook, tell everybody who's right and who's wrong, and just be done with it. And really, if we're honest, that's what we've been wishing he had done at the beginning since the beginning is just give us a list of do's and don'ts. That way I know if I'm in, if I'm doing the do's, then I'm in. If I'm doing the don'ts, then I'm not in. But Jesus didn't do that. So often we want to reduce what Jesus has presented to us with just a checklist. Kind of like my dad saying, there's the end zone, here's the ball, good luck. That's not going to get us there. As much as we keep trying to reduce Scripture to just a list of do's and don'ts, the fact of the matter is Jesus did not come to invent another religion. He came to invite us into a relationship. We have to hold that belt buckle, the belt of Jesus. We have to follow him as he works his way through the minefield. And he knows where those minds are, and he knows how to negotiate them. All we have to do is follow in his steps. See, we've misunderstood the purpose of Scripture. We've assumed the purpose of Scripture. You can take my picture off, Alan. Just put up the next slide. (laughs) We've assumed the purpose of Scripture is to tell us what to do and tell us what not to do. And help us understand who's in and who's out. The primary purpose of Scripture is not to answer the question, how. The primary purpose of Scripture is to answer the question, who. Think about the very first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God. That's who. See, it's not about how. We want to know how he created the earth. Was it, you know, literal days or was it millions of years. How did you do that, God? And God refuses to answer that question until we get the who. It doesn't matter how. Okay, so first thing we have to do is know who we're holding on to, whose belt we're grabbing. And like my dad, we have to follow in the footsteps of Jesus as he walks. I was safe as long as I followed him. I was kind of in his wake. It doesn't matter how bad the minefield is. Jesus knows how to get through. So what does that mean on Monday morning when I show up to work holding on to the belt of Jesus? That sounds good on a bumper sticker, but what does it mean practically? I think it means these three things. We have to be teachable. We have to listen to the teacher. And we have to be God's love in a very unloving world. Being teachable means saying and meaning Jesus is Lord. And we love to say that. In fact, you will see bumper stickers that say Jesus is Lord. But until we put him on the throne of our heart, 
and let him call the shots like we're obeying our boss, he's not our Lord. We have to let him call the shots. You see, there's something that I realized at some point in my adult life that just utterly shocked me, laid me out flat. I might be wrong about something. <laughs> that came as an aha to me. I, I was convinced that just couldn't be true. But when Jesus talks about new wine, he doesn't say you need a new wineskin. He says you need new wineskins. You ever wondered why he made it plural? It's because you're going to constantly find old wineskins that you didn't realize you were still carrying from your childhood, things that you hadn't thought about until I was today's years old when I realized I still had that image in my head from flannel graph when I was a kid, and it's not right, and I know it's not right. I need to change that wineskin into a new wineskin so that Jesus wine can swell and ferment and become good and rich in me. Proverbs 4, 18. I love this verse. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. The sun doesn't pop up and all of a sudden it's daytime. Okay? There's a slow, a gradual kind of a changing of the colors of the sky, and then you begin to detect. Sally and I used to, when we were in college, we used to, for our monthly anniversary, we used to go out into the cotton fields and predict where we think the sun is going to rise. And now we're just happy to sleep in. <laughs> so, but uh, the sun comes up gradually, and as the sun, so we grow in God's righteousness gradually. I'm not where I need to be. I have a t-shirt on the front. This has gotten more comments than any other t-shirt I've ever worn. Total strangers will come up to me and say, can I read the back of your shirt? Because on the front it says, I may not be the man I used to be. No, I may not be the man I'm supposed to be. And they say, can you turn around? So I turn around. But thank God I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not there yet, but I'm a lot farther than I used to be. I'm not bright like Jesus is shining yet, but I'm not dark like I used to be. Oh, it used to be so dark. Philippians 1 verse 6, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's a promise. When you read a promise in Scripture, all promises are yes in Jesus. So you can claim this promise. He who began a good work in you, fill in your name in that blank, will carry it on to completion. He's not going to leave you half finished. You're going to stay in the oven until you're done. The oven's hot. It doesn't feel good. But when you're done, oh, you're going to bless people. Romans 12, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be 
transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're all on this journey, guys. We're all on a journey of learning, and we have to remember that as we look to our Lord. We have to be teachable. And as we're trying to navigate these issues that are out there for Christians to try to decide what's right, what's wrong, recognize you might be wrong about something. Be teachable. Be open to God growing you. Now, we can help each other along the way. Just because we're both on this journey of learning together doesn't mean we have to stay in our corners until we figured everything out. I mean, when you're on a a hike with somebody and you realize you've lost the trail, you help each other get back on the trail. That's what our journey is all about. Sometimes I'm the teacher. Sometimes you're the teacher. You have to be constantly ready to hear God's lessons. It might come from a comment somebody makes in class. It might come from something you saw a child do. Be constantly in the mode of being teachable. Each one of us has thought about Scripture and how Scripture applies in this issue or that issue. We've each kind of come up with our own idea of what's right and wrong. And each one of us has gotten something wrong. Each one of us is incorrect about something. And we need to recognize it's okay if you're wrong about something. Uh, I've got good news. You don't have to get everything right to get to heaven. (laughs) When we get to heaven, we're going to go, oh, every one of us. (laughs) Okay, because we're each of us going to figure things out that we never understood here on earth. And I have an idea that in the end, and this idea is based on scripture, by the way. God is not going to be so much concerned about who figured the most things out correctly as to how we treated each other while we were trying to figure those things out. So, number one, be teachable. Number two, just because you're teachable doesn't mean you're actually listening to the teacher at that moment. When the teacher speaks, it's got to be like E.F. Hutton. You be ready to listen. I just ostracized a whole bunch of people who have no clue what I'm saying. E.F. Hutton, they used to be a commercial. When E.F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. We have to become hungry for God's food. We have to be in, in a constant state of feed me, God. Give me something to help me grow. And as we grow, we're going to have to be ready to throw out yet one more wineskin because God's given us some more wine. And I just realized my old wineskin's not going to be able to take this new wine that he's given me. We need to want the wine more than we want the wineskin. Sometimes we fall in love with the wrong thing. So be teachable, listen to the teacher, and be God's love. This is such a dark world. You know what the world has seen a lot of? Judgment, condemnation, division. You know what the world hasn't seen a lot of lately? God's love, that agape love 
that says, I love you through everything. I love you when you're wrong. I love you when you're hanging on the cross next to me because you're a thief. I love you even when you are the ones who nailed me to the cross. They haven't seen much of that love recently. We need to understand this is all important to God. I've heard this phrase all my life. I've used this phrase because I believe it is true. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Once they know how much you care, then they start to care how much you know. And when that happens, don't be the font of all information. Don't be like I was when I was younger and had everything figured out. Be like Paul. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, he said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's in Corinthians, the, the first letter to the Corinthians. Okay, 1 Corinthians 2, 2. Corinthians. What do you know about the Corinthians? They had a lot of things wrong. To live as the Corinthians do. That was a phrase back in the Roman Empire. Even the Romans saw the Corinthians as corrupt people. They must have had a lot of questions about a lot of issues. What if this? Paul, what do we do in this situation? Paul finally, I'm convinced this is why he wrote this in his letter, he finally just got to the point where he said, look, I'm only going to preach Jesus and Him crucified. The rest of it will fall into place as you grow. But right now you need to only hear Jesus and Him crucified. We need to get back to the basis. We're not the source of all information. We know the one who is, though. And just as we are plugged into Him, when someone comes to us with a question, we don't need to plug them into us. We need to plug them into the source of information. Now, if there's a new Christian, somebody's baptized, let's say, and God stirs you to say, let's meet together for coffee this week, and you get together and it turns into a weekly thing, or you just text each other. That's called discipling. That's what it, one way you can disciple in today's world, okay? That's how we make disciples. The whole time you're walking with that person as they're kind of getting started in the Christian life, you're not answering his questions about, is it okay if I do this? Is that a sin? What if I do this? You're taking him constantly back to the Word and to prayer. And you're constantly saying, plug in to what Jesus said was really important. Hold on to that. Make that the thing you're focused on right now. Don't worry about those other things right now. They're going to come. First, let's get our priorities straight. And then walk with that person and even learn with that person. Dare to be the student with someone you are discipling and let them teach you. How we deal with other people has to be the focus of our evangelism because Jesus said how we deal with other people is how we're going to be judged. Jesus didn't stutter when he said these things. 
John 13.35 By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you figure out 80% of all the do's and don'ts of no. He didn't say that. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't say that. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you can win a debate against the best that Facebook has to offer. What he said is, they'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. That's it. I mean, kids get that. They can understand that. You remember the thing that divided the sheep and the goats? The sheep were the ones that showed compassion on those who were in need. Remember what Jesus said was the most important commandment? To love God and love your neighbor. You remember when Peter went to Jesus and said, should I forgive seven times? Jesus said, quit counting. (laughs) Be love to those people. God will borrow your measuring stick to judge you. That's how he's going to do it. How did Jesus sum up all the law and the prophets? In everything then, learn all the rules? Just one. Thank God, just one rule. The golden rule is what we call it. Do things for other people that you want them to do for you. That's it. Okay? I have seen Christians on social media express their opinion about the issues of today in ways that make the other person look like he's a demon. To make the the other person look like he's the enemy. I've also seen Christians on Facebook present what they believe Scripture to say about these issues in a very loving way. Hang on when you see those. Learn from those comments. The world has its full fair share of people who are baring their claws, baring their fangs at each other. But what the world hasn't seen much of is that love that God has shown us. Now, don't get me wrong. There have to be non-negotiables. There have to be things that you say, this has to be the way it is. You have to believe this, or you can't be a follower of Christ. Okay? There have to be things like... uh, for instance, Jesus rising from the dead. Okay? Did he literally come back from the grave, literally come to life again? There are people who don't believe that's a literal thing. I just don't see how you can call Jesus your Lord if you think he's still dead. I, I, that doesn't even make sense to me. I have a friend who is convinced that Jesus did not rise from the dead, literally. He loves his teachings. He thinks we should learn from his teachings, but he doesn't believe that that's true. He doesn't believe Jesus was God. He doesn't believe there is a God. He doesn't pretend to be a Christian. And he knows what I believe because he asked me. And he already knew what I believed, but we've talked about it many times. But here's the point. I don't treat him any differently than I treat any of you. We still, we get together, we laugh together. Okay, we have good times together. But I worry about him. I worry about his salvation. I pray for him every single day. 
because I believe God can reach anybody in any situation, even people like that. So guys, don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on these people. They're not the enemy. Remember who the enemy is. Um, I have another friend, Christian, who disagrees with me on several issues, but none of them are on my non-negotiable list. My non-negotiables are only about six or seven. With those things, it's awkward if we get into those conversations. You know, it doesn't feel good because we feel kind of out of harmony. But real love finds a way to harmonize even when you're out of step, okay? So when they're non-negotiable, when, when they're not non-negotiables, you can give that person opportunity to grow because that person hopefully is giving you the opportunity to grow. And you may actually be wrong about the disagreement that y'all have. So keep that in mind. All right. Two things that I want to make sure that you have heard me say, or maybe I should say you're not thinking that I said this, okay? Uh, number one, because I'm not coming down on the rightness and the wrongness of any specific issues, you might be tempted to think, well, he doesn't think God has an opinion about those issues, that there is no right or wrong. Yes, Virginia, there is a right and wrong. Yes, God has his will. Yes, he's growing us toward that will. God wants to shape us into knowing what that will is. So one thing, I want you to know God does have his will. There is a right and wrong. The other thing I want to make sure that you understand me to be saying is that at this moment you are wrong about something, probably several things. And I can say that with assurance because I am too. <laughs> we're, we're all of us wrong about something. This is that teachable mindset that we just have to adopt. One complaint that I've heard a lot is uh, those people, the people that don't agree with me on the issue, those people just won't admit that the way they're living is wrong. Okay, if they are not willing to submit to the lordship of Jesus in their lives, yes, that is a problem, okay? Um, but before you reach for that stray piece of grass that's drifted into their eye, you need to look at your own eyes in the mirror and ask God to reveal to you any ways that you're living that are against his will. Because we do this and we justify it. I mean, you may be someone who is proud, struggles with pride. And you say, yeah, that's just kind of my cross I have to bear. You're going to have to forgive me. Well, believe me, if it's a cross you're bearing, those around you are definitely bearing that cross as well. If it's pride, God hammers pride all throughout Scripture. That's something you need to pray about. Have you ever justified a short fuse? Well, that's just my character. <laughs> no. You may find this hard to believe. I used to have a short fuse, a very short fuse. And I learned through God's Spirit that there's another way. And He has 
changed that part of me into something that I believe is, thank God I'm not the man I used to be, okay? And, and many of you can come up here and say the same things. There's ways that God has changed you. Maybe you used to struggle with gossip, but you didn't really struggle with gossip, if you know what I'm saying. And God has changed you from that. Or, or maybe you've been guilty of spiritual laziness or being greedy or being a swindler. Those are all things that God condemns in Scripture. And they're ways of living that if we're not careful, we can be guilty of doing that even while we're pointing the finger at this person over here saying they are guilty for that lifestyle. They should not be living that life. We need to look in the mirror first. Now, you may have noticed in my sermon this morning, I have not mentioned a single hot potato issue specifically. I believe God moved my wife to inspire me along those lines. Uh, I think there's some wisdom in that advice because I realized, first of all, you know what the hot potatoes are, okay? You all know the issues. That's nothing new. But second, and more importantly, as soon as I mention any single issue, that's what you start thinking about. And you miss the point that I'm trying to make. The point is how we get through the minefield. And the answer is that image of a little kid holding on to daddy's belt, getting through those big old teenagers. So there are lots of ways that you can live this out in your life. If someone came to me and said, I have a problem with something you believe. I disagree with this. I would say, let's go and each study that on our own and be teachable and come up with a list of scriptures that we think are important about that and get back together. And when we get back together, we swap our lists and we each take the other person's list and we go and we study that list and we ask God to teach us their perspective and teach us where they're coming from and help us to understand what they're saying so that we can at least understand their argument. And then when we get back together, if we've both been humble and teachable, hopefully God will have changed one of us. But if he hasn't, we need to be like Paul and Barnabas. We need to just agree to disagree. There are people out there who need Jesus who haven't even heard the name yet, and we're in here arguing about this. Let's, let's drop this for now, and let's get out there to where people need the name of Jesus. Okay, so God will continue to grow us. There is a right and wrong, and he will help us see that. Remember that promise in Philippians. If on some point you think differently, that God will make clear to you. Okay, claim that promise. How do we navigate the minefield safely? Grab Jesus' belt. And hold on. And those are the three points to keep in mind as we do that. I'd like us to end with a prayer. God, I admit right here and now that some of the things I may have said may have been wrong. I ask that you will help us to have learned things that we need to learn that are right. And if I said anything wrong, God, help them to have been distracted right at that moment. They didn't even hear it. I ask that you will accept our weak attempt at humility 
as we negotiate these minefields, God, because Satan is just waiting to trip us up and make us look like fools. But God, as long as we're holding on to your belt, I know you're going to get us through. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. If you have any need, come forward as we stand and sing.